We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. They're going to kill the love of my life. Daisy! If I don't go back to what I was doing. This Friday. Our line of work is quite brutal and quite ruthless. How far would you go for love? You steal truck, bring it to me. Then you make your money. Is it dangerous? Of course it's dangerous! Nicholas Holt, Felicity Jones, with Ben Kingsley and Anthony Hopkins. All this trouble, all this pain, for love. Collide, in theaters Friday. Rated PG-13, may be inappropriate for children under 13. Roto-Wire Daily Fantasy Sports Podcast, sponsored by FanDuel, the leader in one-day fantasy sports. I'm Jake Letarski, joined as always on Tuesdays by John McKechnie. If you're out there on Twitter, please give John a follow at Johnny McKex. You can follow me at Jakeski52. John, the Olympics are well underway, so what I want to know is, outside of basketball, which is already offered on a bit of a combo slate, which Olympic event would you like to see DFS for, and what would be the strangest Olympic event DFS-wise? You know, uh, after contemplating on this for about 30 seconds, I've decided that I think gymnastics might be uh, the best of the DFS options because you get like the kind of all-around, you know, several events, whereas... uh, with so many other sports, it's just there's one outcome and you either win or you lose type of deal. Mm-hmm. You know, like with, with gymnastics, there's at least like a, you know, a compilation of different events and scores that you can kind of go off of. So maybe maybe that would work. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I kind of enjoyed watching it on uh, Saturday night, watching the 
the women's team with with uh, Simone Biles uh, just like crushing it on the floor routine and stuff like that. So that that was pretty cool. Uh, what do you think w- would work out DFS wise? See, in a similar sense. Now, uh, I did mention this yesterday for our listeners that tuned in yesterday. But when I was talking a similar question over with Chris, I suggested track and field DFS because yeah. you can pick you can pick one sprinter, pick one distance runner. Pick one high jumper, one long jumper, and one thrower, or something mm-hmm. like that, and then you could do that all based on I don't know if you got if you got to pick five people at like a forty or thirty five thousand forty thousand dollars salary. I'm sure Usain Bolt would be nine ten eleven thousand, mm-hmm. essentially doing a third of your budget for a fifth of your lineup, something like that. I think that logistically that could be easy to work out, but I do agree with you in a sense where it has to be where you have to pick one person from each category because that's the closest you get to positions, picking a pitcher, a first baseman, yeah. a catcher. You know, you pick one, and then it's all from the same sport. Mm-hmm. So I think that's the way to go. I mean, we see DFS and things like, I don't know, NASCARs like that where you have to pick, and golf's in the same way. They're a similar type of brand where you have to pick just five athletes, period, and you don't differentiate between positions at all. I think, if anything, things like gymnastics and track and field would be more interesting for that so hopefully we'll see that for the winter olympics that would be sweet and then uh i guess for the strangest one yep. strangest would be um i mean equestrian would have to be up there <laughs> that uh, was my pick man <laughs> uh what else how um, would you do archery right you know I, see fencing you could do fencing or judo you could do similar to mma dfs which some sites do offer where you could just uh pick a couple like I don't know, five fighters and, and hope they all win. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's possible. It's something like archery, equestrian, totally. handball. I mean, it's something yeah. that, you know, we as Americans haven't really seen a ton of in mm-hmm. our lifetime period. So yeah, uh, yeah that, that would definitely be just kind of off the wall. Dude, I, I know the, the, the something inside of me would make me want to gamble on a handball game uh, <laughs> just because, you know. Uh, but see, I would rather bet the money line than play DFS. I don't know. It's really close. I think you could work. I just don't know what the positions for handball are. Yeah, I really don't. I don't even know the rules, <laughs> to be completely honest. It would just be there to make things interesting. Let's just say that. But yep. all right, this podcast is about baseball, believe it or not. We've got 14 games on the slate tonight. The Rangers-Rockies, the Coors Field game, that's going down at 310 Eastern. So no Coors Field exposure to worry about getting yourself on DFS this evening here. Uh, moving on here, we always start with cash game pitchers, your safest bet pitchers of the day. The top tier here. Is pretty pricey tonight, John. We've got Scherzer at eleven thousand eight hundred. That's Kershaw prices going against one of the better teams in the AL with the Indians. So that is a little bit puzzling for me. But after that, you go to Chris Sale at ten thousand six hundred. Zach Greinke at ten thousand two hundred. That's what I'd call your top tier for your cash games this evening, John. Are you picking one of those three? Or are you going to move down a little bit? I'm going to move down a little bit because you know, like you mentioned, I really don't like that matchup for Scherzer. And you know, he used to pitch in the AL Central, so there's a bit of, I'm sure there's some BVP history uh, that's not particularly uh, in his favor necessarily. And then with mm-hmm. with a guy like Granke, I mean, I never trust guys coming off the, you know, yep. first start coming off the DL. It's just, just don't know of, how long they're going to be able, like mm-hmm. what kind of leash. Can you get five innings for a win? What if you have 85 pitches in the fourth? Right, and, you know, like yeah, I think uh, I think he didn't look overly sharp during his rehab assignment from what, mm-hmm. I, from what I've kind of seen, so... I'm I'm leaning away from that, even though uh, I really don't think much of the Mets' offense. So I'm going to go with uh, Rick Porcello, actually, just kind of one notch down 
of the Red Sox, 9,100. Uh, so he's got the awesome offense, obviously. So that, that boosts his win probability mm-hmm. by a pretty uh, significant amount. Uh, that's kind of helped him get to 14 wins this season. But he's been getting it done on the mound lately. He's gone at least eight innings uh, in two straight starts. Uh, he's put up 39 or more FanDuel points in each of his last five outings. Uh, going against the Yankees, uh, who have the fourth worst weighted on base uh, since the break, sitting at a 289. That's just not... Uh, an imposing lineup in my opinion whatsoever I think the Red Sox should be able to tire out Severino push some runs across to get uh, Porcello the necessary uh, run support and I think Porcello you know even if he's not the sharpest you know if he goes six innings three runs uh, with like six strikeouts uh, that'd be fine you know once you get the win factored into that so I'm gonna go with him at at 9100. Yeah the nice thing about Porcello is he's actually struck out eight in two of his last three so I uh, and and in the one where he only struck out three, it was a complete game effort. So kind of making up for that. But typically thought of as more of a ground ball pitcher. If you can get strikeouts uh, more than five, a quality start and a win, I think that is plenty of room for profit uh, DFS wise. I'm gonna bump up to that top slate. I like Chris Sale at ten thousand six hundred. He's not quite as pricey as a Scherzer, but I think you have the exact same, if not greater, upside. He. Had 39 point FanDuel points last time he was out against the Royals. And once again, the White Sox are minus 120 road favorites against Edinson Volquez and the Royals. And the real big metrics that make me go with Sale, we all know what Sale can do uh, just just as you know, a solid left-handed strikeout pitcher. That's all there. But the matchup numbers here, the defending World Series champions in the last 30 days have been absolutely dreadful offensively. If you look at the BVP numbers, you might see, oh, Kane and Hosmer, they have decent numbers against Sale. But team-wise, it doesn't look like it's going to be the case here because in the last 30 days, the Royals are dead last in weighted on base percentage. That's a two seventy five mark. That's 10 points worse than the number 29 Pirates. They're also dead last in weighted runs created plus, which is 68. Your league average is 100 right there. That's how that metric Yikes. works. So uh, not a lot to like there. Their strikeout rate isn't too bad. They're just under 22%, but they're getting zero power, and that's not going to get any better at Kaufman. Their isolated power over the last 30 days, just 111 And that's almost a full standard deviation below the number 29 Giants, which are 127. So all those metrics about the opponent, we know what we're getting out of sale here. I'm adjusting for the opponent today, and I think he gets enough strikeouts, but all the cards are are, are dealt for him to have a dominant performance on Tuesday night here. Yeah, I like that pick a lot. And, uh, you know, I know you mentioned how the the Royals aren't a really uh, strikeout-prone team, but, you know, you kind of have to adjust what that really means when you're going up against a guy like Chris Sale that that can really make anyone look foolish. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, strikeout percentages when you're trying to pick a middle-tier pitcher and you're trying to pick a matchup for him, then maybe. But Sale has swing and miss stuff. That's just how it is. Mm -hmm. So there's no doubt about that. But let's move on to catchers here. If uh, regardless, You'll save more money if you're using Porcello. If you're using Sale, you're going to have to make some sacrifices. Uh, How are you attacking the catcher position tonight, John? I'm starting to sense a pattern within myself of how I pick catchers, you know, doing doing this DFS podcast a couple times a week. I, I think I've just given up on trying to pay up for, for catchers for the most part. I mean, last night, for example, you saw Posey down to down to like 2,900, and he put up t- over 25 points, I believe. So I, I just am not in favor of really uh, breaking the bank at catcher where it's so volatile. Uh, and, like, I feel like you, you can have a guy – 
like Grandal earlier in the season just go way up near 4000 when really, you know, he's producing like a $2,200 player sometimes. So I'm going to go James McCann, uh, like I did last week, uh, $2,000, so minimum price here, going against Wade LeBlanc. Uh, McCann's terrible against righties. Uh, I'm not going to sugarcoat it, but he's actually pretty solid against lefties. I mean, relative to uh, his skill set, he's got seven home runs and 890 OPS against them. So when you factor that in for just $2,000, I'm just not paying up a whole lot for him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I have at least a shred of hope that maybe he can run into one mm-hmm. uh, against a guy like LeBlanc. So I'm going to go with him. Yeah, generally, I only like to punt catchers in your GPPs or your tournaments because I think you can find guys uh, like Darno sometimes is 2200 a lot. Uh, guys like Contreras for the Cubs when he was coming up, he was yeah. minimum price. Uh, so I will punt catchers in tournament but my main catcher strategy is to kind of go in roughly the 25 to 3200 range because i think that's about average what you get mm-hmm. and the guy i like tonight is wellington castillo at 2700 he gets steven Matz and the new york Mets. and for me there's just quite a bit to like here he's got a 400 427 weighted on base percentage against left-handers and it's not like Matz has been on a tear of late so i think there's a lot of things uh going in wellington castillo's favor i'm not so big on a diamondback stack I could see you stacking up Paul Goldschmidt if you had the money for it uh, with Wellington Castillo. But uh, Castillo on his own, I think the matchup there is pretty solid here. Now, uh, let's move over to first base, though, John. Uh, typically a position you want to pay up for, and I kind of alluded to it a moment ago, but who are you going with at first base? Yep, just kind of piggybacking off of what you were saying there with with, with Beef. I'm going to go with Goldschmidt here. Uh, pretty much any time you can get him under 4,000, you have to at least think – pretty hard about about rostering Goldschmidt uh he's going against a lefty and Mats who like you alluded to hasn't been overly sharp of late uh and I know playing the he's due card is is a pretty dangerous game in general uh mm-hmm. it's something that it's kind of tough to to like quantify and back up the gambler's uh, fallacy right but you know at the same time Goldschmidt hasn't homered since July 24th like Come on, like it, it, he's he's gonna he's gonna run into one at some point, and I think I mean he's gonna break out of that soon. Uh, he just physically can't go that that long without homering. It's mm-hmm. it's like eating for him. He's just it's just gonna happen. So uh, he's got a one point oh seven six OPS against lefties. Twelve of his home runs this season are at home. I'm just not going to overthink it. I'm going to go Goldschmidt, 3,900. Yeah, Goldschmidt is hungry, and there's a good chance he eats here on Tuesday night. Another player that I think presents a tremendous value at first base, possibly one of my favorite plays of the day, is, well, first and foremost, Willie Peralta's back in the majors for the Brewers. He was dreadful earlier in the year, eventually got demoted. One time he was the ace of the staff, so he's just turned a corner, despite throwing some of the, the fastest gas on this Milwaukee team just doesn't quite have it together and he got demoted wasn't much better in the minors here and what I'm basically preluding this is a brave stack tonight I think that's a a solid option and the core part of any brave stack is going to be Freddie Freeman at 3600 I think that's the most one of the most cost-effective ways to attack Willie Peralta tonight he's probably going to be in all almost all my lineups because you get the you get the lefty righty matchup here and you know dive into Peralta's metrics he's pretty terrible against right-handers too especially at home in Miller Park where this game is tonight but you know you get you get a lefty in there a solid hitter like Freeman I'm I'm predicting one or two long balls at the very least a floor of like 20 fantasy points is how I'm going with Freeman tonight right. I can't argue Goldschmidt at 3900 I really like your reasoning behind that but you have to pick one first baseman you can't right. get two so that there's no flex spot that you can work them in uh, so I'm going to have to lean towards Freeman, but uh, no knock on Goldschmidt. If you want to play Goldschmidt, um, more power to you there. 
But let's move over to the Keystone, John, where we've got uh, what I found to be one of the tougher matchups and uh, picks to dissect tonight. But who are you going to go with at second base? Uh, I'm going to double down on my whole uh, he's due argument. Uh, I'm going to go with Jonathan Scope at 3K. Interestingly, you know, leafing through the game logs, he also hasn't homered uh, since July 24th. Uh, same as Goldschmidt, so uh, I I just thought that was odd, but and kind of fun to bring up. But uh, you know his numbers uh, over the last two weeks really aren't even worth bringing up. They just haven't been good. I'll just be you know pretty forthright about it. Scope has been a little bit lost at the plate, but we also know that when Scope starts to click, he he's really uh, about as dangerous of a of a second baseman from a hitting perspective as you're going to find. Uh, and I think uh, you know going against a guy like Zach Neal. Uh, who has like one start under his belt this season. He's got a 5-2-5 ERA. He's allowed four home runs and 24 innings of work on the season. Uh, I don't think he's gone beyond four innings in any game this season. Uh, so I think not only is Neil going to go deep into this game, I think he can tag Neil while he's on the mound, and then I'm not overly enthu- or, uh, overly intimidated by what Oakland is bringing out of the bullpen either. So I think Scope at 3K – uh, you know, sometimes he can he can definitely be overpriced, but this is right about where you'd want him to be. Uh, and I think Neil's a guy that uh, he can definitely take advantage of tonight. Yeah, I, I see where you're coming from there. I'm going to go a little bit different direction here. First and foremost, want to throw out Ben Zobris as a pretty chalk play. You want to try to find yourself some sort of Cubs exposure against the soft-tossing right-hander Jared Weaver tonight. And Zobris is a good way to get that. He seems like he's getting a price break at 3800 I've seen him up above 4000 a lot of times, yeah. so... There's an option there. If you need a value option, though, I'm looking to Devin Travis at 2800 I think he's just too cheap, especially with the platoon matchup against left-hander Drew Smiley and the Rays here. But how about uh, shortstop, John? Uh, there's a couple plays that kind of stand out to me. Who are you looking at at the shortstop position? I'm going to stick in the same game uh, that, I, that I just brought up with Scope. I'm going to go with, but other side of the diamond, I'm going to go with uh, Marcus Semyon at 3200 against Wade Miley. Um I know that maybe maybe you'd think uh, the A's would have seen Wade Miley earlier this season uh, when he was with the Mariners, but looking through his game log, he did not actually make a start against the A's. So, you know, they don't necessarily have the book on him the way that you might expect from other uh, division rival pitchers. But Miley did not look sharp at all in his first outing as an Oriole last week, and I, I don't think he's uh, going to do particularly well tonight. And then you got Semyon, a guy that um, – can can get a little bit lost at the plate, but he can find it against left-handed pitching. He's got ten of his home runs against lefties uh, in a nine one nine eighteen OPS. You know, much better than his uh, OPS against righties, which sits at six ninety seven. So if you're going to use Semyon, use him against a lefty. And I think uh, Miley is definitely a lefty to target uh, this evening. Yeah, Wade Miley, one of my favorite pitchers to pick on in DFS because he is prone to the blow up here. I'm going to go a little bit of a different direction at the shortstop position, though. Save $500 here. And first and foremost, I'll preface it with this. How often do you see a player's batting average go up 13 points in one night this late in the season? That's what happened with Brandon Crawford last night. He went 7-for-8 at the plate uh, with double, triple, obviously singles, homer shy of the cycle. So, of course, maybe not the most power there. But 7-for-8 last night, and he that brought his batting average up from 265 to 278. Despite that massive performance, his price still sits at 2700 So I think that's a oh, huge wow. value here. And he's a lefty. 
getting a matchup against right-hander Tom Kohler. There's a lot going on here. You don't want to be affected too much by the recency bias, but every once in a while when a player has a big game like this, you know he's seeing things well at the plate and is bound to get hot. So I really like Crawford at the shortstop position. Me personally, I'm not really looking anywhere else other than Crawford, and that's just me tonight here. What about third base, though, John? Typically a position that you normally want to pay up a little bit for, but every once in a while you can find yourself a value play. Who are you looking at on Tuesday? It's going to be tough for me to, to stay off of Donaldson, but if, I, if I'm if i using kind of more expensive guys like Goldschmidt and stuff, you're going to have to you know make a sacrifice here and there. And for me, I thought that uh, Martin Prado uh, at 2700 was a really, really kind of ridiculous bargain uh, given who he's going against and the kind of numbers he's been putting up against lefties. He's got a 441 average against lefties with an OPS well north of 1,000. Uh, he's going against a guy in Matt Moore who, uh, you know, He's pitched better uh, with the change of scenery uh, going out to San Francisco, but I'm still uh, not completely like afraid of him by any means. And I mean, Prado's numbers against lefties, like I said, they kind of speak for themselves. So, regard, I mean, unless this was like a Kershaw or Sale type of opponent, uh, I wouldn't be scared at all of using Prado against a left-handed pitcher. And I'm going to stick with that uh, for tonight at just 2,700. All right. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned Donaldson because it is worth noting Donaldson matches left-handers. That's no secret. Against Drew Smiley, he's six. I'm sorry, he's eight for 17 with three home runs. So that's a <laughs> 1676 OPS. Uh, that sample size not very big, but big enough considering the rest of Donaldson's sample size against left-handers that you have to warrant him. Now, like you said, going to be very tough to use both Donaldson and Goldschmidt tonight, but. You know, trying to find a way we'll get to some tournament pitchers that might allow you to do that later on in the show here. Uh, at third base for me, though, you mentioned picking on Wade Miley. I mentioned how I like picking on Wade Miley. Uh, I'm going to do that with Danny Valencia tonight if I cannot afford Donaldson. Gets Wade Miley. There's not too much more analysis that needs to right. be uh, thrown into that. He's the poor man's Donaldson in a sense where he matches left-handers. Right. And at 3200, I've seen his price a lot worse uh, on a lot of other occasions here. So I think 3200 is a bargain for Valencia tonight here. But let's move on to the outfield here. You got a couple higher-priced options for you, but I'll let you do the high-priced guys, and then I'll counter with a few lower-priced options. Who are you looking at in the outfield tonight? Um, I got Max Kepler first off of the Twins, uh, sitting at thirty-five hundred. He's going up against a guy in Mike Fires that uh, is not particularly scary. And Kepler, you know, he draws a platoon advantage here, which is huge for him because when he faces lefties. Uh, he hits 213 with the 649 OPS, uh, but against righties, he's got 13 of his home runs this year and an OPS that's it's approaching a thousand. So you really like the direction that's headed when he's going against a righty like that. And uh, I mean Kepler, he's really just been one of the one of the more uh, exciting players since the All Star break. Uh, really, just kind of an amazing run that he's been on. So 3500, that's not asking too much for him especially when you get that uh home run upside and then uh Nelson Cruz at 3900 uh I think the the Mariners might be a sneaky good team to use to get some serious exposure to tonight uh so Cruz is 3900 and I know it's at Safeco but going against Daniel Norris uh Norris just gets just gets called up uh he hasn't pitched in the majors in over a month uh he allows a 293 batting average to right-handed hitters uh so I think Cruz is just too good and disciplined of a hitter to really uh have a poor at bat against Norris so I mean even if he isn't like you know going three for four with with a bunch of home runs or something like I I feel like Cruz could definitely get on base every time that he comes up to the plate tonight and probably get at least one extra base hit while he's doing it 
Yeah, I, I do like those picks a lot. I might see if I can find a way to work those in here. Uh, a couple other guys I mentioned that I wanted to add here. Uh, first of all, going back to that brave stack against Willie Peralta, you can get Nick Markakis at 2600 tonight. I think that's Thanks. a steal. Uh, Miller Park, it's going to be relatively hitter-friendly. Willie Peralta is more than relatively hitter-friendly. <laughs> and uh, so Markakis going with Cakes tonight at 2600 the other one, I know BVP stats can burn you, but I do like to throw out the BVP matchup of the day. That's probably Jacoby Ellsbury, who loves Rick Porcello at $3,000 you can get Ellsbury at. He's 12 for 28 with four home runs against Porcello. Porcello typically keeps it on the ground, not against Ellsbury. And right. I know a lot of this stats have been accumulated from earlier seasons, but, I mean, Porcello's only been in Boston for a few years. So mm-hmm. uh, Ellsbury at 3000 I think there's a lot to like there here. Well, MLB season is here, and that means daily fantasy baseball is in full swing. Go to FanDuel.com to play now. Building a team is easy. Just pick your players, stay under the salary cap, and sit back tonight and watch your team win. Entry fees start at just $1, so anyone can play. That's FanDuel.com here. Now, John, let's uh, wrap up the hitter discussion real quick with the chalk play of the day for Tuesday. Who do you got? I'm going to go with Paul Goldschmidt. You know, like I said earlier, I really do think he's due. Uh, just going against a guy in Steven Matz in that in that ballpark, in his home ballpark, mm-hmm. um, I just don't see how Goldschmidt at 3,900 is, some, is someone that you can really um, ignore this evening, although I do understand where you're coming from with your chalk play as yeah, well. Yeah, my guy's Freddie Freeman. We, we disagreed a little bit, and it's hardly disagreement because we both think I respect Goldschmidt, you respect Freeman, but we just differ a little bit on who is the bigger lock. And I'm going to go with Freeman against Willie Peralta. I haven't seen anything from Willie Peralta that makes makes me think that all of a sudden he's going to turn it around and have a quality start at home tonight here. Mm -hmm. So kind of related, what about stacks? Who are you liking uh, stack-wise for Tuesday night? Yeah, there's some really terrible pitching tonight uh to pick on almost too much to to really like wrap our heads around and it's funny because you know we we don't even get a Coors game to even talk about when the Rangers are at Coors you're you're like oh my god but in this case I mean I really do think that that LeBlanc versus uh Norris game up at Safeco is going to be one where you know people get scared off by the park factor you know like Safeco gets the gets the reputation as being a a pitcher's park, but neither of these pitchers are particularly intimidating, and both of those offenses have been really strong, uh, at least especially the the Tigers, but the the Mariners can still hit as well. They got, you know, some top-notch guys in there like Cruz or or Seager or Cano. I know both those guys are lefties, but, you know, Mm -hmm. what can you do? And then uh, I I honestly think that the the Oakland-Baltimore game, we're also going to see a good bit of runs because of how bad the pitching is Mm -hmm. uh, in that that game on both sides. Yeah, both reasonable stacks that you at least want to get yourself some type of exposure to. Uh, With my stack, you may have guessed it, but... You know, you can accuse me of being a, uh, a little bit of a homer after picking Davies last night and picking a lot of the Brewers pitching during that series against the Padres. I'm going to reverse courses this year and go with my brave stack against Peralta. Since getting demoted, one final Peralta stat for you. He owns a 6-3-1 ERA since getting demoted in the minors there. Uh, granted, that's a Colorado. So you have to Colorado Springs, PCL, you know, you have all those ballpark sure. factors in play. But 6-3-1, man, you're supposed to be a major league pitcher. So not quite sure where that's coming from. Now you throw him up in a relatively hitter-friendly environment against major league hitters. I just don't th- see things going well for Big Willie style on <laughs> Tuesday night here. Uh, stack related, highest over-unders, Yanks, Red Sox, Severino, and Porcello. 
nine and a half is the over-under. And then I was surprised that despite the really poor pitching on the slate tonight, everything else falls between seven and nine. So there's not really a huge matchup that stands out uh, from an over-under standpoint. Maybe I'm just looking at early conservative numbers, but something to keep track of here. But before we wrap up, let's talk about a tournament pitcher. You got anyone that you want to throw out there for uh, a GPP on Tuesday night? Yeah, I think I'm going to go with Marco Estrada. And my my only concern for pause in terms of like a tournament type play is that he might be like a lot of people might be on him because you know the the fact that the Blue Jays are at home going against the Rays. Uh, I think and and he's only 8700. That that might lead to a relatively high ownership, but I think he's worth it. Um, he's a guy that just he's one of the best in the in the majors in terms of keeping guys off base. He's got a point nine six whip at home. Uh, he's got a, he's got sixty six strikeouts in in sixty three and two thirds innings at home as well. He's got a two six nine ERA. I just don't uh, think that the Rays are, are a team that that are going to be able to to really attack him uh, fully. So I think. I love his uh, win probability here. Maybe not the gaudiest strikeout numbers, but at the same time, you know, pretty solid. And I, I really know that he's not going to get lit up. And that that's what I think kind of sells me on him the most. Yeah, there's some safety there, and the ownership might be a little bit lower here. I'm going to go ahead and really roll the dice, chuck a dart from double the distance, and uh, try my hand with Chad Cool tonight at $6,300. Like he gets it. the Padres. Uh, and let's just kind of run down recent Chad Cool history. Had a clunker against the Cubs. I'll give him that. It's the Cubs. Otherwise, um, three other major league starts. Threw six scoreless innings of one-hit ball against the Nationals. Quality start against the A's. Just missed a quality start against the Dodgers, but still picked up a win. And then his last AAA start, which happened on August 1st, six innings, no earned runs, four hits, and six strikeouts. And... The strikeouts typically aren't there with Chad Cool. I give, I, I'll give him that. Uh, but he does draw the Padres, who over the last 30 days are pretty much tied with the Brewers at just under 26% of a strikeout rate. Oof. So they've been striking out a lot, even uh, and of course trading Matt, Matt Kemp and trying to bring up some of the younger hitters. That's not going to necessarily help their offensive metrics, one would think. On the season, the Padres have a 294 weighted on base percentage against right-handed pitching. The biggest concern with the Padres or with the Pirates and Chad Cool is the Pirates offense, who have been pretty dreadful, not exactly healthy, a lot of mysterious slumps there. But, I mean, when you're when you're picking a pitcher below 7,000, not all the cards are going to fall into right. play here. Yeah. So you got to have one knock. The big concern is run support and win probability there. So, uh, yeah, I'm a little bit shaky on that. That being said, Pirates still minus 140 favorites here against Luis Perdomo and the Padres. So the pitching matchup on the other side isn't that right. great. So there's a lot to like using Chad Cool tonight. Of course, limited to tournaments because he is a very risky cash game play here. Uh, real quick, uh, before we wrap things up, weather tonight. Because I mentioned Chad Cool, I do need to say that there's about a 50-50 shot of rain in Pittsburgh tonight. Some scattered showers, thunderstorms could see a delay. That's never necessarily good. But if you are going to use Chad Cool in a tournament, you're going to want to take a peek at the weather before lineup lock there. Other than that, uh, the weather impact is doubtful for the other 13 games on the slate tonight. 
Well, thank you for listening to the Rotowire Daily Fantasy Podcast, brought to you by FanDuel, the leader in one-day fantasy sports. Remember that first-time FanDuel users that make a deposit of $10 or more via Rotowire get six months of complimentary access here. That is an upgrade over the previous deal. Ten bucks if you're if you're new to FanDuel, get yourself six months of Rotowire and start yourself off on the right foot. Otherwise, check out rotowire.com on your own. Go to rotowire.com slash pod. That's rotowire.com slash pod. Once again, I'm Jake Letarski. You can follow me on Twitter at jakeski52. And I'm John McKechnie. You can find me on Twitter at Johnny McKex. The Rotowire DFS podcast will return Wednesday with Benny and James. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.